Scotiabank Saddledome, and this hour of Flames Talk is underway. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit CalgaryLockAndSafe.com. Yeah, Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Pike joins us a little bit later on this hour, but right now we go inside hockey to kick off the hour for Calgary Co-op. Calgary's is the only family of products curated for the taste of Calgarians, and you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op. It's Friday, which means Eric Francis Friday. Eric joins us now from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Mr. Francis, happy Friday, pal. How are we doing? I'm excellent. How are you, my man? I'm good. I'm good. I actually I haven't I haven't uh, seen you at a media event in in more than a week, and uh, it, it's it's been strange. I'm not used to that. We've had so many yeah. things since the season has come to an end, and now I haven't seen you since last Monday. So um, I, I actually feel somewhat disconnected, and I I don't like it. It's been very sad, but uh, you know, time apart is probably good for the relationship, and. Uh, and it's been good for my golf game too, so that's good. It's kind of it's kind of nice. It's the off season. It's supposed to be quiet and but relaxing and such. Yeah, exactly. But there's lots going on. Well, it's it's funny. I'm um, last hour, Pike and I were kind of kicking this around. Today is May 12th. The final game of the regular season was April 12th. It's been a month, but like in no way, shape, or form, at least for me, does it feel like it's only been a month? It feels like seven months have passed since they last played a hockey game because of all of what has gone on. It, it feels like ages ago since the season came to an end. It's only been one month. Yeah, and a lot's happened in that one month, right? I mean, it's uh, it just seems nonstop with the tree living, leaving, Sutter being let go, the building announcement. There's, there's, there's been a lot. So yeah, it's a, it's going to be a long off season. Like, I mean, uh, you know, once they do finally get a general manager in place and then a coach and, and then we get clarity on the arena situation, like there's going to be a lot to chew on after that, of course. So mm-hmm. if you're a radio host, it's, it's a good off season. Um, <laughs> Cause there's lots of discuss and all over. And, you know, while I was, playing golf today you know like lots of questions about lots of stuff going on and uh and very few answers right now right and uh, you know I, I sat down with don maloney earlier in the week to do a, a feature on his life and, and who he is yeah. who is this guy who's got the reins and it, you know it's some pretty interesting stories from him you know winning mvp of the all-star game in 84 that's almost 40 years ago and uh you know he was a coach's pick and and uh, anyway, there's just some really neat stories that came out of that. Talking to guys like John Davidson and uh, Shane Doan. I talked to Marcel Dion, uh, a bunch of, you know, Brian Lawton, uh, Glenn Healy. And, uh, you know, anyway, the point is when I was talking to Maloney, I asked him a little bit about the process. Where are you? And uh, he is not willing to tip his hat at all. 
hand at all in terms of where he's, you know, where the process is at. But, you know, I've spoken to several guys who've been interviewed already and, um, you know, and I've, and, and, you know, rumors abound and, you know, people keep asking me and I'm sure they ask you like, how would you handicap this? And it's always pegged to Conroy, isn't it? Like, what are the chances Conroy is going to get it or not? I mean, that's what everybody kind of pegs us off of here in Calgary. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm not sure that even after talking to people who've been interviewed, um, that I have a better understanding of of what Conroy's odds are. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not really sure where it's at right now, but there's 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 some interesting interviews being conducted. That's for sure. Yeah, and and I think that the number of human beings that they have done interviews with already is is significantly more mm-hmm. than the number of names that are out there. Like, you know, we, we've talked ad nauseum about the internal candidates, and yeah, I, I believe that Stan Bowman and Mark Hunter and Mike Fuda are, are just a, a few of the names that have been out there and, and uh, believe that all of them have, have interviewed in some form or another, and, and I would suggest there's probably like a number of handfuls more that they've spoken to since this process really began in earnest. I want to say in the last week, week and a half, They've been really pushing it to kind of a different pace um, because they had finally put to bed the answer to the question about head coach Daryl Sutter. So I don't know. I don't know exactly where they are in the process. Hell, I don't even know what the process looks like. Do you do one interview and then do a second interview? I have no idea. I don't know what that's like. But it does feel, Eric, like we're in the the pocket or the sweet spot where you know in the next week or two we'll have an announcement and be able to react and start to get an idea as to what the direction is because we know who the gm is going to be it feels like sometime in the month of may is when we'll get our answer oh yeah i I would i would think so i mean uh they got their scouting meetings in a couple weeks and i you know it's been basically been communicated that i think they want someone in place before those meetings happen so i uh, you know it's going to happen sooner rather than later I, when you're making a decision of this magnitude you know I, I think you'd like to think that you'd take at least a month and really scour the scour the hockey verse and, and 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 fly guys you know a handful of guys in whatever the case may be but time is time is ticking away on this right they've got to figure this out pretty soon and uh and so i think a two-week timeline is pretty reasonable and that gives you enough time to then get a coach in place and still have a coach in place in time for the NHL draft. And Nashville was, was going through the last three coaches that they have hired in the offseason. Bill Peters, Glenn Gullitson, and Bob Hartley have all been hired at kind of very, dra- you know, fairly different times. Uh, Peters yeah. got hired in uh, April, April 23rd. Hartley got hired in late May on May 31st. And Gully got hired on June 17th so you know that that one isn't anywhere near as much of a oh this needs to be this needs to be ASAP you've still got oh, a month and a half or longer uh, to get your head coaching situation figured out but when it comes to your GM I don't think you want to go much longer than a couple of weeks here to get that all figured out yeah yeah but I know that they would answer and, and I would I would agree with them if they said yeah but getting it right is way more important than getting it done quickly and uh but i don't see any reason why you can't get this done right in a couple of weeks for sure so yeah. um you know they, it's not like 
they're interviewing too many people who they've never heard of or that who don't whose resume is not intimately familiar to them. I mean, the suspects are the usual ones. Uh, there are some names, and eventually when some of them come out, I'm, I don't really want to throw them many names out in terms of people I've talked to who've been interviewed because because it's irrelevant if they don't get the job, to be right. honest. Uh, and, and, and I don't think it serves their purpose. It's just been interesting to talk to them about certain things they've been discussing with the team, questions they've asked. And, you know, and I, I just think that, um, man, there are some really good candidates out there. Uh, and, and, you know, and again, of course, like we all keep coming back to Conroy and, you know, what does the, what message does it send if he's not hired? Um, what does that mean for Conroy? What, you know, there's so many things about it. Anyway, I, uh, I look forward to seeing you again at one of these press conferences where we have some answers. <laughs> what, uh, do, do you have a, a strong opinion one way or the other in terms of should they go, um, if, if they, you know, first of all, there's the internal versus external thing. And then if they do decide to go external, do you strong opinion one way or the other as to whether or not they should go with, um, as you mentioned, the usual suspect name, or do they go a little bit more outside the box or less experienced? Do you have a strong opinion on any of those things, on any of the potential decisions the Flames have in front of them when it comes to the type of GM they should be bringing in? I, I do have actually a strong opinion when it comes to, you know, if they decide that Conroy is not their guy, if they decide to go external, th- there's one guy who is so far and above the pack uh, in terms of the guy that they should hire, in my opinion, and that's Stan Bowman. I mean, there are no other guys out there that have won three Stanley Cups, you know, recently. There, you know, the. I think he checks so many boxes. Uh, yes, I get it. He hasn't been cleared by the NHL. There's baggage involved with this. There's a lot going on. But if you're just going to look at who's the best candidate um, and, and a guy who I think would fit this situation, again, if you go externally and decide that Connor is not your guy, then, you know, I, I just don't see how you can go. I, I, he's at the top of your list. He's got to be. It, it, it's a veteran club. Um that, that they believe is close and, and, and here's a guy who knows what it's like to take a team that's close and get him over the top. I, and I'm not saying that this team can, is capable of any of that, but I'm saying he's the right guy for the job, in my opinion, uh, if you go externally. And again, you could make the argument for, for three or four other guys and I'd listen and I wouldn't say you're wrong, but I would just say in terms of a resume, you can't beat the resume of Stan Bowman's and, you know, and that's not factoring in all the other the issues that come with hiring Stan Bowman, and even if he is cleared by the NHL. So, you know, and then there are some people who will just say, oh, my God, how could you even talk about a guy like Stan Bowman after what he was involved with? Well, you know, I, I don't really want to get into all that. People need to understand exactly how that whole thing happened in Chicago, what his role was and wasn't. Um, it's not up to me to decide whether he's eligible all I'm telling you is he's the most qualified. Yeah, the only thing, and and taking the the off ice stuff away from it, and and I thought our uh, our acquaintance Wes, that's as far as I'll go with him. Uh, no, I, our, our our buddy Wes, I thought put it really well earlier this week, Wes Gilbertson, on on this very program where he said, I I don't know if like is it the best look that you need to have your next GM reinstated. Like, do you, there, there has to be other ways to go than having your next GM reinstated. But taking that away from it for a second, 
I was not a big fan of Bowman's work in Chicago in the final three, four, five years there, and I, I did not love the way that um, the Blackhawks went about trying to build a, a new competitive team. Where Chicago is right now as drafting number one overall, and I guess you could say it's a good thing, but I don't think it was on purpose, where they are right now and how bad they've been the last couple of years is also because of some of the really poor decision-making that Stan Bowman put them on course for, whether it be the Seth Jones trade and contract, some of the moves that were the Panarin trade, the Saad trade, like there the I, I just the last five years or so of Bowman at the helm, I was not a big fan of the way he ran that Hawks team. Fair enough. Fair enough. But when you get to a point where you've won three Stanley Cups, you're obviously going to be dealing from uh, from a tough position moving forward. Everyone's got a window. Their window closed. He tried to make some desperate moves near the end. I agree with you. This uh, Jones trade was terrible. The the, the, the Brinkett, uh, I didn't like that one at all either. Like they're, uh, At the end of the day, um, you know, I'll just say that he's got three Stanley Cups, and uh, and I think that that says a lot. And, and you're right. And again, I'm not. Uh, you can easily just say, well, why would you? Why would you go into that world and 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 have to deal with with the baggage that's involved? I'm just telling you, he's the best candidate, in my opinion. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, Francis with us, Eric Francis Fridays here on Flames Talk. Um, how different, Kate? Let's say that uh, they hire you as general manager and uh, they hire me as head coach. Maybe those are bad examples, but it does not matter who they hire as the, the coach and GM. How how different are you anticipating this roster to look like going into next season? Because I think you can make arguments very, very saliently on either side that it could look very, very different or it could look almost identical in a lot of ways. What's your gut say in terms of what this roster might look like for next season? My gut says it's going to be very similar to last year. Um, you got, you've got a president of hockey operations who's made it pretty clear, and John Bean as well, the president of the team, have both made it very clear in their press conferences that they think this team is really, really close. Mm -hmm. So when you go in for an interview, anyone who's trying to get the job would probably be quite foolish to sit here and say, I think we need to dismantle this whole thing and rebuild. A, the owner doesn't want to hear that. B, those two guys don't agree with that. Like, it would be suicide in terms of your interview. And so I think people who come in, they know that this organization feels they're close, and you can just kind of work around the edges. Now, I do think that the Elias Lindholm situation has to be addressed right away. And, uh, oh, we, we had a homework assignment that I never – I remember last week we were talking about what would be your first five things you'd do if you were the general manager. I never – I forgot about that, and I never did the, the work. That, did you? <laughs> I, I, can, I can give you a pretty good idea. Um, the, the, the top two things that I would do, uh, first and foremost, um, I think I – am going to Jonathan Huberdeau and having a conversation with him. Um, and, and I think I am just engaging Jonathan in terms of what's the, the what, what, what type of coach is going to get the most out of you. I'm not going to ask Jonathan Huberdeau to tell who should the head coach be, but just like get some ideas in terms of what style, what type of things are important to get the most out of you. And I'm also engaging him on, you know, what type of players do you play best with and just gathering information. That's, 
probably the number one thing I do. Number two, I am determining exactly what is happening with Elias Lindholm this summer. I am determining whether or not I can sign him long term. If I can't sign him long term, then I'm getting to work and starting the legwork on what a trade looks like. The same is very true when it comes to Noah Hannafin. I think Hannafin and Lindholm are the two that I want a decision on this summer. And by that, I mean I, I'm making a decision if I'm the GM on their futures this summer. I'm going to try in earnest to re-sign both to long-term extensions, but if I'm not making progress on that in the offseason, then I'm starting to get things in place to trade them and get a really sizable haul back for one or both of them. So that's not five, but that's three that, uh, yep. that I'm looking at right away. Well, my dog ate my homework, so I, uh, <laughs> I don't okay, have, What did you, what did you think of my homework then? You're, yeah, I thought it was quite good. I'd give you a B, B plus, maybe. I'll give you okay. a B, yeah. And, uh, right in line. That's how I live my life. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, I what I was getting at when I kind of threw that out last week was, you know, I, I, I think it's – I wouldn't put on my list talk to the players and get your information. I guess that that, that kind of goes without without saying. But in terms of personnel moves, I do think the Lindholm thing is top of the list. I think Hannafin's right there as well. And and I just I just don't see, you know, how either one signs here long term. I don't see it for a lot of different reasons. But and, and and maybe attitudes have changed because of the coaching change they made. But at the end of the day, I don't see why many athletes would sign a year ahead of time, unless unless the money is grossly uh, above market, which is what happened with Huberdo, and and not quite over market for for Uyghur, but. It was a pretty good offer, and he took it. So, you know, I, I don't just, you know, coming off the season that uh, Lindholm just had, too, I don't see why he would sign here. So I, I guess you'd have to trade him this summer. I, I don't really think he'll be here uh, when the season starts. Hannafin, I'm I'm not sure about. But this general manager is going to have to make some significant changes, even if it's just for the sake of change. Like, not just to say you did it, but – he can't go in with the exact same team as last year. I mean, no one ever does. It's impossible in today's NHL. But even if he only had like three or four different names in the roster, I don't think that would be enough for to for him to be happy. I think the new guy's got to come in here and put some sort of stamp on it right away. And that could just be a major Lindholm slash Hannafin trade. Uh, it, it could be, you know, something like that. It's Obviously, you're not going to sign anyone significant to come here. I, I shouldn't say that, actually. I shouldn't say that because once you start making trades, you open up cap room potentially, and then there yeah. are chances that you could sign guys. And there are guys who are willing to come to certain cities for for various reasons. And anyway, I I think that the new guy, uh, I'll tell you one thing, he's going to be the busiest guy in the, in the NHL this summer. It's, it's going to be a really, really, uh, he's got so many things to deal with. And starting with the fact that your best forward, arguably your best player, is uh, is probably on his way out, and you got to figure out what to do with that. Yeah, and and I mean, I if I'm the new GM, I I really do take a run at re-signing Lindholm and and putting the type of money that you're talking about on the table to the very least know that if you deal him, you deal him knowing that we did take our best run at re-signing him. So if that means putting eight times six, uh, eight eight years, 68 million on the table and and seeing what happens there, then then at the very least you know that you put eight and a half million dollars a year on the table for Elias Lindholm and he he, you, you didn't make progress on that so you moved him. I think that 
that's really important too because that is the most desirable. Whether it's the most likely is another question, but it's definitely the most desirable is keeping that guy in the fold long term. But I'm with you. I mean, if, if, it's, if it's not going, then you've, you've got to make that trade this summer. And for that guy being under $5 million for another year, the, the amount that you could get back in a trade that involves Elias Lindholm, it, it probably won't make you better right now. It'll probably see your team taking a step back on the ice in the immediacy, but it could really help you kind of fast track a retool at the same time, which uh, is something that a lot of people have been clamoring for. Yeah, I agree. I think that certainly it'd be an easy sell if you decided to strip this whole thing down. I think what that's, Potentially, that's what the majority of people in this city want, especially in light of you know the Wranglers being a pretty darn good outfit right now. And we've seen you know two or three of their best players come up here and be impact players at times. And I, I think that they're going to do the the retool on the fly, though. I can't see them rebuilding any you know right away. Mm-hmm. I do think this is the last year. Uh, that that's one thing I definitely think. You think big picture. I think this is the the last kick at the cat you've got to be a real high end competitive team. Uh, even if you just brought back almost an identical team to last year, I still think it's a it's a high end, very competitive team like it was two years ago. You put in a freshing new coach in here, and I think a new attitude. And I think that uh, I think absolutely this team could challenge for a division next year, almost as is. And then after that, though, you're losing so many players just because of the the way it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to have to retool on the fly, if not strip this whole thing right down. So. The question is, it is such a tough question. You know, do you, what do you do with Lindholm? You know, he is going to be, he's your best player. And so if you think you can win a division this year, trading him away doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, but it does when you think big picture because yep. they're going to have to start retooling real soon. I, I hope the new GM comes in with some sort of eye on the big picture. A uh, couple more with Eric Francis. Francis Friday's with you. I, I did want to ask you, you know, I we're a month removed and exactly a month removed from Dustin Wolf making his NHL debut and winning that game against the San Jose Sharks. We all know what he accomplished during the regular season with the Calgary Wranglers, and here they are in the playoffs and then trying to go on a long Calder Cup playoff run in the American League. Are you are you of the opinion that the Flames should make room for Dustin Wolf on the NHL roster next year and move one of their current goaltenders? Are you of the opinion that they will? I'm just curious your perspective on that one. Man, no, I'm not staunchly for, hey, they've got to make room for him. No, I, I still don't think it hurts you to spend another half year or even a full, another full year in the American Hockey League. What, he's, is he 20 years old right now? 20, 22. 20, 22 now. Okay, sorry. He's pretty for a goaltender. That's that's damn young. And uh, I get it. He certainly earned a chance to to, to get a, a significant NHL look for sure. I'm not going to argue against that. I think he's one of the great stories in the NHL right now. I really do. Uh, he's not in the NHL, so I should say one of the great stories in and around the NHL right now. Uh, and certainly in this organization, he's one of the most he's the most exciting thing uh, that this organization's got going for him. But I. I still stand by the duo they have right now. I think it's, you know, it could easily return to being a top five or ten duo in the National Hockey League. And it all depends on what you want to do this year. If you think you can, you can be a division champion, like like I think the organization's mindset is, I think you go in with Vladar and Markstrom. Um, but knowing full well that if things go sideways early this year and you're going to start that uh, turnaround real quick, that retool, the rebuild, whatever you want to call it, 
then one of the first things you do is get rid of one of your goaltenders and you open up room for, for Wolf to be here full time. So, um, it's a it's a it's quite a nice luxury to have. I know people are frustrated that he hasn't been given more of a look. Um, the Flames have been lucky too. Like look at look at Vegas has gone through six seven goalies each of the last couple of years. It's obviously something in the yeah. water in Vegas. Um, here in Calgary, they've been so healthy for the last couple of years that the kids not had a sniff up here. But that that's not going to keep going on forever. So, you know, I. I I think it's great how patient he's been. I think it's great how amazing he's been and how he's pushing them to have to try and make a decision. But uh, I don't feel like this GM should feel pressure to make a move right away. He has to look at the big picture and decide, are we going for it this year? Because if you're going for it, I'm not sure you want a rookie backup in the National Hockey League. As good as he's been, I still don't think. We saw how important a backup goaltender is, and I think the kid's going to be great. Don't get me wrong. But there's no guarantee. He's still 155 pounds soaking wet. So... Um, I, I think you, you, what you know is that the two you have right now can be really, really good at the NHL level. Final thought before we let you go. Francis Fridays here on Flames Talk. We're inside hockey. Uh, it's the third annual Fire It Up for Mental Health Firewood Fundraiser uh, over at Bracco Home Furnishings on Blackfoot. Uh, look, when they first did this, it was a very nobody was more passionate about the firewood than Eric Francis, and that continues into year number three. I saw Patter down there. Colin Patterson's doing God's work again, helping load that firewood. Tell us about uh, tell us about Bracco Home Furnishings picking up some firewood, uh, firewood rather, and uh, helping uh, helping contribute to the Breaking Free Foundation. Well, listen, you had Candace on just before me, right? Yes. And uh, listen, the Calgary Flames, just that announcement yesterday, what is a half a million dollars to, to pump money into three pump parks and a couple of renos on local parks. And the, the one pump park is right near my house, West, Con- West Confederation here, got the big Flames logo on it. And, you know, when you see your kid actually going there on a daily basis and enjoying these things, you really, it, you really do see the impact it has. And there's hundreds of kids there every day. They love this thing. It's an amazing little track. And, and, and so it's an in-around way for me to kind of talk about a guy like Bracco, who, when I first moved to this city 30, 30 years ago, he's the first human being I ever met here, as a matter of fact, at the Barley Mill. Uh, shocking Ooh, to meet oh, him in a bar. Claire, look at that. Yeah. yeah it doesn't even exist anymore. Ago. Rest in peace. I know, right? So, um, but he... And him and guys like Billy Powers and these guys, they, they showed me in this city how important it is to, to give back. And this organization does it like crazy. And, uh, and, and, and guys like Bracco do it and our alumni do it. And so I'm always wanting to support guys who are doing that sort of stuff and making an impact. This is for mental health initiatives through the Breaking Free Foundation. And half of every bundle of $10 for every bundle of wood you get goes to, to help people uh, dealing with mental health issues. So, Get down there. Go to Bracco Home Furnishings. Um, hey, if you organize and buy enough, he'll deliver it to your place. He did that last year. He delivered a bunch up to my cottage at Sylvan Lake because uh, I organized for so many guys at my cottage to, to take some. So go support those guys. You'll see Flames alumni there. You're doing a good thing for mental health. You're getting firewood, which a lot of people need anyway, especially as we're coming up on the long weekend. Yeah. Just go and support them. Shake their hand. Spend some money. In past years, I the first year he did it, I threw out, I, I went and bought like, I think it was 30 or 40 bundles, the most I could fit into my SUV. And I, ch- I said, no one's going to be able to get more than that. And I'll, if they do, I'll donate another 100 bucks for anyone who beats my 40 bundles or whatever. Well, that ended up costing me a lot of money. So 
So I'm not going to issue, I'm not issuing another challenge. I'm just imploring people, if you need wood, go see Bracco. He'll help you out, and you're doing a good thing for our community. That's awesome. Uh, all the uh, all the details, just uh, go to the uh, Flames alumni on Twitter. Uh, you can get some details there and a whole lot more, or just stop by Bracco Home Furnishings on Blackfoot and uh, pick up one of those bales of firewood. Francis, have a great weekend, my friend. We'll talk to you next week, eh? You too, my man. You have a great weekend. Hope to see you soon. Yes, be well, pal. Uh, Eric Francis, Francis Fridays, as we wrap things up inside hockey on this Friday for Calgary Co-op with new product families, member rewards, and sale events. You'll find more quality, more savings in every department every day at Calgary Co-op. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite. NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Stifler and Pike along with you on this Friday edition of the program. One game suspensions each for Darnell Nurse and Alex Petrangelo as the Oilers and Vegas Golden Knights get set for game five of their best of seven second round series with the series tied 2-2. So the biggest swing game of the series and two of the most important defensemen uh, on either side or one of each team's most important defensemen not in the lineup. I am curious how the NHL Department of Player Safety, some of the conversations that are had behind closed doors, because those are very um, not equal crimes <laughs> with very no. equal punishments. On the one, like one was a borderline instigator with two willing combatants that just happened to transpire in the final five minutes of the third period, which is by the book, that's your rule, okay. The other was a guy trying to intentionally injure one of the game's superstars in the final minutes of a hockey game that was a blowout, and they both get one-game suspensions. It's very strange logic, Pike, but logic seems to rarely apply these days with the old DOPS. And so uh, Jason Greger uh, pointed this out on... uh on Twitter, so I'll give I'll give him the credit for doing all of the work to the point I'm about to make. Uh, so the under the under the rules, uh, instigator in the last five minutes of a game, automatic uh, one game automatic yep. game, one game suspension. So here's the funny thing. So it happened twice in the regular season. Do you know how many guys got got the one game suspension? Zero. So they rescinded it both twice. times. They were rescinded, and so in this one. You know, the department in the rule book, it's it's said uh, it's a hockey operations decision. It's actually Greg Essentially at, at ESPN confirmed this with the league is actually shifted over to player safety. So player safety determines all the suspensions now. And so player safety saw the the nurse situations, and in you know they were the ones that apparently uh, ruled on the the two that were rescinded in the regular season and went, nah, let's hold that one up. And then you have the equivalency of the one game suspension for you know being lumberjack 30, 40, 50 feet away from the puck, like well after the play. I mean, the the, the suspension video, I'll point, I, I'll point out something I really liked about the suspension video. The NHL, when they do their, when player safety does their suspensions, they lay out the case for here's why, here's the mitigating factors involved. And the one thing they pointed out was, yeah, sometimes guys do 
you know, occasionally do some stick work on a puck carrier. Yeah, because, you know, you don't, you'd prefer the guy not to get a shot off. And if you get too excessive with it, they call a penalty. But when you have the puck that's already been shot by Dreisaitl and it's missed the net and, you know, Dreisaitl basically isn't even really engaged in the play anymore. He's just watched the puck go by and goes, okay, time to start turning around, I guess. And then all of a sudden Petrangelo's there chopping at you. It's, I don't know, it's it's very flagrant. It's You can't really argue that that kind of play was in the the heat of the moment, so to speak. It was in garbage time of a one, one-sided game where you happen to skate up casually to the other team's leading scorer and try to take his hands off. And that's that's worth the same yep. this time as as a you know an auto game misconduct penalty it's, which could have been rescinded i think fairly easily and it's it's so strange to me and far be it for us here at uh, flames talk to be you know <laughs> advocating for things going the oilers way but just the objectively when you think about it so they rescinded it twice in the regular season. The playoffs are supposed to like you've got to if if you if you commit a crime during the regular season and get suspended, you've got to do double that crime yeah. to get the same suspension in the playoffs. And so they don't rescind rescind rather nurses suspension, and then they also equate the same maybe, maybe punishment to his, Petrangelo. His instigator was actually a super-secret double instigator. So they rescinded one of his oh, secret oh, okay. double instigators. You know what? That must be it. Well, you're at least, I think the thing you're, you know, again, far be it for us to uh, to defend anyone up Highway 2, but you're hoping as a, as a fan, as an observer of the game, you're hoping for some consistency, right? Like, you'd want to have something so that you can, you know, if if you're trying to battle plan for a Stanley Cup playoffs, for example, or, or a Stanley Cup final, you want to sort of look back at the body of work. You know, if, if you and I are video coaches and we're trying to tell our team, here's where the line is, you want to at least be able to tell your guys, okay, here's what would here's what you gets you a penalty, here's what gets you a suspension, here's what the standard is. And if we're trying to prep a team to do that heading into games tonight, tomorrow, whenever, mm-hmm. I have no idea what the standard is. And I think that's a big problem. What's your gut say? When Monday's Flames talk is going on, will Vegas and Edmonton be done or will there be a game seven? It feels like a game seven series. It really does. I, and it's just it's flip-flopped every game so far. I, I It feels like game seven to me as well. I, I think... In that series, especially because it's wobbled back and forth between really good and really bad performances for both sides, whatever team figures out their consistency first wins. And yep. I don't know which team that's going to be. Uh, a couple of other, a uh, couple of other topics as we start to wrap up this hour on Flames Talk. Uh, Wranglers need a win. They take on Coachella Valley on Friday night as the Wranglers now trail the Firebirds one game to none after a, a six-three loss in, at the Dome. And in one of their more one-sided losses of re- you know recent memory, recent like long, like, not even recent memory. So they have not lost like that in a long time. It was Especially on home ice. Dustin Wolf gets pulled. Rough night for Wolf. Second time he's been pulled this season. The other time he got pulled this season was earlier in the year against Coachella against Valley. against Coachella Valley. Um, so they, they need a much better performance. And the, the guy that will be interesting to see uh, is, is Wolf and the type of response that he has. Because very rarely do you see that guy play – 
poorly and then not bounce back. So I'm expecting a very good Friday night performance from Dustin Wolf, and uh, that'll give the Wranglers a good shot heading to Palm Springs, tied 1-1 in this best of five. It's too bad that this is not a best of seven. Two best teams in the American League with 209 regular season points combined, it, and yeah, they got to go best it, of five. It reminds me of uh, what's the division in, in the, the Eastern Conference that has all the good teams, the Atlantic. Yes. Where they have yeah. Toronto and Tampa and Boston and all. Like, they just have the, the bad. And it's probably going to be Florida coming out of it. Which is hilarious to me. But it's just the idea that, you you know, this year especially, the Pacific Division was so good. I mean, Abbotsford, low-key, had a good season. Ontario started getting things going late in the year. Bakersfield was pretty decent. Then you have, like, the, the tippity-top teams, the, the Wranglers and Coachella Valley. I mean... There's a lot of good talent in that division, and I don't think it's going anywhere. And I think, you know, as much as I really like the way they do their seeding in, in the, the AHL, I think the, the division brackets make a lot of sense. It keeps travel down. It keeps everything's easy. But it also makes it, unfortunately, so that if you have a division like the Pacific was this year, you get your two best teams in the, in the conference, the league, to face each other probably a round or two earlier than they should. And uh, two games... Two potential games less than they should, best of five as opposed to best of seven. Um, finally, Mackenzie Weger, three points in his uh, Team Canada yeah. World Championship opener. His, Canada the, the debut against Latvia. 6 nothing final score in Riga. Uh, Matt Coronado and the Americans also beat Finland today. Uh, Coronado had a goal disallowed. He, had, he played really well, but there was goalie interference. They washed it out. But, you know, Coronado, five shots in his first, uh, you know, men's league international game uh nice performances for canada from you know uh Tifoli had an assist Uyghur played a ton and was the, the the best player of the game as voted by uh by his teammates i think it's either his teammates or his coaches by the way he, he was best player that's uh you know it's it's early it's a long tournament the round robin and you play seven games against the other seven teams in your in your group but you know if you're if you're if you're those those guys and you're looking to sort of wash the sour taste of that flame season out of your mouth what, no better way to do it than a six nothing win over Latvia, right? The um, the thing that stuck out to me most when watching again, it's Latvia, and and you know this is not the most accurate barometer for you know evaluating, but the whole idea of having Mackenzie Weger on the right side. Still really attractive to me. I know that Daryl Sutter's no longer the head coach. That was a big thing for Daryl that, you know, they were more comfortable with Uyghur playing on the right, but just the way things were structured this year, he was on the left more often than not. If down the road they could get Mackenzie Uyghur as a right side full-time option playing on a strong side. Because he was playing with uh, Middleton, right? Jacob Middleton? Jake Middleton was on the left. Yeah, I that uh, that that would be the, that would be the long-term ideal because I think he's very good on his left. He's even better on his right. And to have him full-time on the strong side, maybe after a Chris Tanev departs or something like that, that that's the way to go. I agree. And, you know, it's a nice way to start. I mean, if you're, again, you're uh, you're trying to get off to the right start. I, I'd say the, the I'm very impressed by the Americans because Finland is not a team to mess with. And the Americans beat them fairly handily in their first game. And it's a, a very young, raw American team. And if you're looking to see Coronado and see his impact – you know, he he only he went I think three for thirteen in faceoffs. So maybe he's not a center uh, at a high level yet, 
but he's still young, and you know, try him out on the wing, see how he goes. I, th I think uh, David Quinn's gonna experiment with what how they use him because there's a lot of potential there. Even 23% of the faceoff circle, and he's still a second on the team in shots. Pike and Steinberg this hour on Flames Talk, and this is the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to alike system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.